This is episode 20 of the Hezzy, March 5th, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. They're flying by. If you're just tuning in, five days a week, quick hitter podcasts, no bullshit. I'm not telling you about walking my dog or about driving somewhere. We're talking basketball. And so that's what we're going to do. But here's the thing. Last night was the final night of games into the All-Star break. They were sloppy. There wasn't a whole lot going on. There wasn't. I, I, I really had nothing to say about it. What I'm going to do here in this episode is I'm going to talk a little bit about the awards because now we are halfway, we're at the halfway point, right? And so now we, we're starting to form a clear picture of the candidates, what I see, and potentially what could happen moving forward. Let's start with the MVP. I've broken it down into three categories. The first is the qualified. And what I mean by that is if you look historically, at least of recent history, you kind of got to be on a top team, right? You kind of got to be like on a top three or four team in the league. And so I think right now, the front runner is Joel Embiid. The question is, can he sustain this? Will his body hold up? Because we know Bronze will. As impressive as he has been, I think he has taken a, I don't think it's been a, a, a physical step as much as a mental step in maturity as far as his decisiveness on the court, you know? As impressive as it has been, I still think he could stand to lose some weight. You know, I was clowning on him yesterday's episode and stuff, but really, he does still seem lumbering. He hits the floor a lot for my taste, right? He, you know, he's probably the biggest flopper, like literally the biggest guy that flops in the league. But look, you know, I think it's his to lose. If he can repeat what he did in the first half of the season in the second half, it's his. And the Sixers obviously stay atop the Eastern Conference. Let's not kid ourselves. It is a narrative-based award. There, there are other aspects to winning it as besides just on-the-court play and, and record. I think his personality helps, him, right? He's Again, I was, I'm clowning on him just because he, he's, he's, he's a lovable guy, man. Big personality. Everybody likes him. The other storyline, I think, would be like the return of the center. Would, would he be the first true center to win an MVP since Shaq? And so that's what he has going for him. But again like to see him lose maybe 15 pounds in order to sustain this and, and do this for the 72 games. We'll see. The next guy and the only other guy in this qualified category is LeBron James. We'll see how he approaches the second half of the season. I know last week I questioned his motives as far as if he's not going to rest and take games off and kind of cruise into the playoffs, is he chasing the MVP award rather than a back-to-back title? As silly as that may sound, it just seemed very un-LeBron-like to go hard at this point of the season and push through with all these minutes when you consider his right-hand man is out. In the past, what would have LeBron done? He would have chilled and kind of just been like, we're not worried about the regular season and revved his body. But, you know, my guy on YouTube did a very elegant job with the counter-arguments to all my points in that, a a Lakers fan, a LeBron fan. And the premise of his argument really was that the West is too tough for LeBron to coast or load manage. He might have a point. Like if LeBron, it's not that he wants the MVP award, it's out of necessity. If LeBron chills, the Lakers could slide to the bottom, you know, the bottom half of the playoff standings. and, And that may not be a good thing. So again, let's see how he comes out the second half of the season. I think he could flip the switch out of the break, right? And and maybe jump into the lead for the MVP conversation. 
But I think big picture, it would be too early at his age to flip the switch. If his true goal is to go back to back, I think hitting that switch out of the break might be premature at 36 years old. The second category are the depth guys, meaning their teams are so deep and strong as a collective that you're going to have a hard argument to win the MVP because, again, you've got so much help. The first guy is Devin Booker. You noticed during last night's All-Star Team selection, he was the second guy selected off the reserves. It went Harden and then Book. And I think the reserve picks were, were a lot more telling than the starters, right? The starters, you can't really go wrong. The reserve picks is where it got interesting, and you got to see who LeBron and KD really valued as a player. And LeBron's right when he said Devin Booker is the most disrespected player in the league which really means he's the most underrated, right? It doesn't mean like disrespected literally. It just means he's the guy that people sleep on. If you don't know, you don't know, right? But I, I think he, I think he's coming. I think you're going to find that out as they continue to win here. The second guy in the depth category is Donovan Mitchell. Both Booker and Mitchell, like they're not going to wow you with the numbers. They're both giving you like 25 and four around those whereabouts, right? And I think the Jazz, more than any other team, it's such a collective effort it'd be real tough for him to make it into the, to this top three. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell is a good example of betting on character and work ethic. He broke onto the scene as the steal of that draft, right? And you saw all this potential in his physical attributes, but he was raw, right? And, and, and he kind of lacked a feel for the game. You could tell he wasn't a natural basketball player. But then you listened to him talk. You looked at his background and it was just a real safe bet that he would work his way into a star player. And that's what we've seen happen. The last guy in the depth category, James Harden. Listen, I was here for the KD MVP return season. But, you know, and now that that's out the window, I think we have to acknowledge that Harden has kind of saved the day for them. And look, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that Brooklyn wouldn't be in the playoff mix and be a good team. But... If they don't make that trade, where does Brooklyn sit right now? And, and you consider KD is missing all these games, Kyrie, you know, in and out of the lineup. I'm not saying they wouldn't be a playoff team, but they wouldn't be looking nearly as dominant as they are right now. I think Harden, he's the biggest reason why they're looking so good. But again, the depth argument. He's going to be hard-pressed for him when it's all said and done, when you look at the talent on that roster. And then you have the stat guys. I've got three of them. Steph, Dame, and Jokic. And what I mean by that is their teams aren't as winning. They may not be on true contenders, but their stats are worthy of acknowledgement. And I think the route or the criteria for any one of these three guys to really be in consideration would be to somehow crack a top four seed in the Western Conference. They're all in the West, right? And then they need some sort of statistical flex. So for Steph and Dame, it would probably be like a 50-40-90 season. And then for Jokic, he's not that far off from a triple-double. Jokic is averaging 27-11-8 right now. You got Steph and Dame with very similar numbers, both giving you 30 points, 6-7 rebounds, 4-5 assists, right? So I think it'll be their efficiencies. And then the moments. Is there big moments? Dame with the dagger against the Warriors the other night, right? That stuff sticks in the voters' minds. And so there you have my categories for MVP. Moving on to Defensive Player of the Year, it seems like there's less voter fatigue with that. 
if you look at the history of it where Rudy's kind of cleaned it up. Has Rudy won the last two? Dwight won a bunch in a row. Ben Wallace, right? Voters don't have as much fatigue with it. The thing about Rudy Gobert that is more apparent than any other rim protector are the shots that people don't even take. He discourages paint touches and finishes at the rim better than anyone since probably I'd say Dikembe Mutombo. Maybe maybe prime Dwight Howard, right? But I think Dwight would bait you and then come and swat it into the fifth row. What? Let me reiterate. What I mean is it's, it's the ones that don't get put up with Rudy. It's an anti-gravity. You see guys literally get downhill and then just hit a U-turn, right? And they're like, nah, I'm not going in there and I'm not challenging it. And so, again, that's what really separates him, I think, as far as the rim protectors, where other guys maybe want to bait drivers into getting those shot blocks. Rudy's content with his anti-gravity. He's like, nope, you're not coming in here. That's fine. Let's not talk about it. Let's not even try me. Next guy in this category, Joel Embiid. Maybe if he misses out on the MVP, this would be the Constellation Prize. The thing with Joel is he's lazy at times. When he's engaged, yeah, he's he's just as good as, as Rudy, right? Maybe even better with his strength and timing. But he's lazy. There's He takes plays off, and I also understand that he's asked to do so much more offensively than Rudy that, you know, there's, there's a cost to that energy. Rudy can basically spend all his energy on the defensive end hovering around. So I understand that. But uh, I think Embiid's definitely in the conversation. I'd like to see him be a little more consistent. To be honest with you, I'm I'm struggling for a third name in this category. Kawhi? I don't know. Is Kawhi a dark horse? I you know, I don't think he's quite the defender he used to be. I think he does it. Talk about consistency. He picks and chooses his spots to defend. But the awards kind of become stale. I think we kind of need to find a better way of separating wing and small defenders from the bigs. Maybe someone in the analytical crowd can can come up with a way to separate the different types of defenders. Rookie of the year, Melo's running away with it. I said it earlier in the week, right? He's running away with it. I will say there is such thing as a rookie wall. Now, Melo doesn't strike me as the type that would hit it because I think his game is so efficient, right? I think he's such a hooper. He doesn't expend a lot of wasted energy out there. But anything is possible, right? I think the most impressive thing about Melo is he's doing it on a team that's winning, that's a relatively winning team right now. And then there are a bunch of other guards. It's not like he got drafted to this weak team where he's been handed the keys and he just can go out there and do what he wants. He's doing all of this while making a team with other guards successful. And then you look in Minnesota with Anthony Edwards, just hand him the keys. If they do that, I don't know what D'Lo's status is if he comes back. You heard, did you hear Rubio the other day? He kind of uh, emptied the clip on the on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Very discouraging comments, but I, I respect him keeping it all the way real. We'll see what Finch has in, in store for, for this team. But, you know, there is a possibility that if they just keep the ball in Edwards' hands, he could end up with the biggest numbers and stats of these rookies. But even then, just like what I got done talking about with Melo, I think you give Melo the nod because he's doing it on a team where it matters. The third guy, maybe the dark horse, Tyrese Halliburton. Is Halliburton going to be better than De'Aaron Fox? Clearly, he's not the athlete Fox is, but I think he's already a better basketball player, right? That'll be an interesting dynamic. I'm not saying they can't play together. Just something that, that kind of springs into my mind, like late in games for the Kings. Kind of rather have the ball in Halliburton's hands. I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, you got James Wiseman. 
who is not going to get the opportunity that these guards are getting. And that is a big reason why bigs take longer. It's volume. How many times does Mello or Edwards touch the ball per game? How many times does Wiseman touch the ball per game? We're probably talking like four or five times more per game of just experience, of just the ball is in their hands. But, you know, the reality of it is you can tell how little hoops James Wiseman has played. He got a bunch of minutes last night in Phoenix. Again, he's just a basketball baby. There's these little things that you can see. You're like, dude, he hasn't played that much, right? Whereas you watch Mello, you watch Halliburton, and it's the other way around. They do these nuanced things that let you know, like, this kid has hooped a lot. Sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson, right? Talked about him this week, too, and his, his development. He's a gym rat himself. And the float game, the mid-range game, um, prime of his career, right? He is the new Lou Will. Do you think he's better than Lou Will? He's, he's not the shooter Lou Will is, but he's a better finisher. Anyway, no need to compare them. Jordan Clarkson clearly in the lead here. And then being on a top team, that really helps your cause, right? It's one thing, it's, you know, Terrence Ross is putting up good numbers. He's doing it in Orlando. So Jordan Clarkson in the lead. My dark horse is Mello, as in Carmelo Anthony. Could he get a legacy nod here? And it wouldn't just be that. He's been very good. He's been very vital to Portland staying afloat here with all these injuries. The jab step God still doing his thing, man. And I think one big thing in this phase of his career that he finally adapted was that catch-and-shoot three ball. You remember when he was in OKC, he really kind of struggled with that being off the ball and just catch-and-shoot. It's a different rhythm. It's a different rhythm for a guy of Melo's ilk, right, that was a, us, a guy that creates his own shot. But the, the reality of it is, is Melo's a hooper. He's a gym rat, right? So he went and he got it, and now it's paying dividends. But really, with the six-man award, I'd love to see it be rewarded for more all-around play and two-way play. Like, for instance, during the dynasty with the Warriors, like, Iguodala could have had one of those. Now, he didn't have the, the points because it's become this award where it's just like, who scores the most off the bench? But in reality, again, back to the dynasty years, like, Andre Iguodala was the sixth man of the year. And for whatever reason, the voting just doesn't acknowledge two-way players. It, it's all about scoring. I was looking at the awards throughout the years. I think the last kind of all-around player that won it was Lamar Odom in 2010. Coach of the year? I mean, are we just going to give it to Quinn? Much like his sixth man, Clarkson, it's his to lose. I think next in line would be Monty Williams. And then I'll throw one dark horse at you, Mike Malone. He's always kind of on the on the outskirts of the conversation, like, oh, I thought about Mike Malone, but, eh, you know, he's never quite there there. And, you know, if Denver could surge into the top three here in the second half of the season, then maybe he could start to get some some consideration. But uh, I can't call it the coach of the year. I think I think that that's going to be a tough one because the way the standings are right now, like teams could go one way or the other, right? We could have some guys emerge that, that we haven't seen coming if a team gets hot and they jump the standings. All right, I'm going to wrap this thing up. I did want to talk a little bit about the team selection last night. I thought there were a couple little interesting things. I think that overall, the teams looked better balanced than the previous times they did this where, what was it, Giannis? I don't know what Giannis was doing, but these, these teams look a little, a little more balanced, right? KD predictably took his soulmate Kyrie first and then Harden with his first reserve pick. Braun took Giannis and then Steph. 
I do appreciate LeBron giving us little nuggets with his picks, right? KD wasn't really here for any of it. He, he looked like he had just woke up and he was just kind of mumbling out his picks. LeBron was giving us little little insights with each pick. And did you catch did you catch D Wade hinted at LeBron about trying to get Luca? He goes, "Oh, LeBron, you didn't get Luca on your team, team, but you got him on this team." And they kind of laughed about it. That was interesting, right? I guess the one thing to talk about was leaving the Jazz players for last pick. Those of you that don't know that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were the last picks out of all the All-Stars. To me, what that represented was a kind of a sign of fear. And I know a lot of you will scoff at that. You're going to go, why would they, come on, why would these, I don't mean fear Donovan or Rudy individually, but I think it was a sign that they are concerned with how strong this Jazz team is. And maybe this was almost a way to kind of knock their confidence down. Like, that, we don't need to build these guys up anymore. They're already super confident. They are the best team in the league. Like, let's not boost them up anymore. But ironically, probably would just feed them, right, as a slight. If you, you, if you pay attention to Donovan and Rudy and their personalities, they're going to use this as a slight. So we'll see. The funny thing is about the All-Star game, it's not always really about, like, the stars. It's the guys who play hard for the first three quarters that help you win. So, like, a Sabonis, a Ben Simmons, Julius Randle will probably be that way, right? It's the guys that maybe aren't the sexy picks and have the saucy game, but will just go out and play hard, the high-motor guys. I'll leave you with my picks. Three-point shootout, I got Steph Curry. Look, he has the most experience in the competition, and I think at 32, 33 years old, you start to gain a little bit of perspective as far as how many more times will I get this opportunity? And so I think he wants one more of these. I think he's going to be dialed in. Dunk comp. I said it before. Give me Cassius Stanley. I will have a special all-star edition Monday of the Hezzy. Y'all enjoy this weekend. I'm out, y'all.